Coca-Cola records? Oh, well, don't get excited, don't say a word. Nobody noticed, nothing was heard. It was committed discreetly, it was held so nearly and Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Don't get excited. Don't say a word. Nobody noticed. Nothing was heard. It was committed discreetly. It was handled so neatly. And it shouldn't surprise you at all. And welcome to the finale of the Billy Joel A to Z letter S's, as in Snape, Professor, that is. Today, we're talking about a surprisingly interesting song, indeed entitled Surprises. What? (laughs) This interesting little song is the number seven track, or the third song of the second side of Billy's eighth studio album, The Nylon Curtain, which was released September 23, 1982, and clearly, especially after this song now, considered his complete tribute to John Lennon and the Beatles. This song crazily appears on the 45, of the B-side of You're Only Human, which was released on July 13, 1985. Otherwise, it's on no other compilation, I've never heard of him playing it in concert, but all that will be revealed as I introduce our friend and co-host of the Billy Joel A to Z podcast, Alon Altman. Hello, Alon. Hello, Dave. Uh, can't believe we're at the end of the Yes songs. It feels like this has been, what, four months of this? Yeah, not long enough. I keep, <laughs> I've been enjoying having a long progression of songs, you know, without interruption of i i know we you know we have the wrap-ups we have the guests and stuff but it's been nice just doing song after song after song and obviously we'll be doing that again shortly yeah and uh but yeah this today i'm really excited to talk about surprises i think this is a cool song i think it's interesting you you alluded to the beatlesiness of it and i do love that about the nylon curtain that these are it's just like a hidden beatles album that we discovered you know you're so right so okay i don't remember this song at all Now, obviously, I heard it. I played that nylon curtain every which way, but probably only the first side and probably only pressure in Allentown and quite frankly, probably only Allentown, which is the first song. So I don't even know whether I ever flipped it over or anything, and I don't think I had the cassette, so I probably never played it in my car. I don't remember this song at all. I can't say I've never heard it before, but if I have heard it, I haven't heard it in 40 years. So... I was as surprised as this song was. I'm putting it on the hidden gems list, Alon. I loved it. Wow, that's great. 
I love it. It's It's got an 80s feel to it, which pleases Dave Juskow. I love the Beatles aspect to it. It really does complete this album in many ways with its Beatles-esque thing coming after Scandinavian Skies or before it, whatever it is. I think it's before it. Before, yeah. Yeah. And it really, uh, you're right. Excellent way of putting it. A uh, undiscovered Beatles album. It really, that second side of the Nylon Curtain is truly an undiscovered Beatles album. Everything about it is very, very Beatles. As you put Laura on that side too, uh, then you really have, you really have like an, a guy who was trying to, um, this is my Beatles album. You know, just like an innocent man is my fifties album. Yeah. And that does my Beatles album. This is my John Lennon album. There's not right. a lot of Paul McCartney on this, but it's very Lennony. He sings this like John Lennon. And speaking of Laura, I feel like this song is a real companion piece to Laura because there are certain lines where I'll be like listening to surprises. And then in my mind, I'll go right into here. I am feeling like a fucking fool. Like it just yeah. kind of fits with this song, that kind of feel that he has in Laura, that anger comes through here. You're completely right. Why don't we, before we uh, get too involved, let's go to the rankings. Yes. And see where our boys put it. Let's just start with Christopher Bananas. Alon, uh, where do you suppose he puts a song like surprises? And I will say that once again, he is way different than Glenn Gamboa or the fans. Okay, I think actually I'd, I'd say it puts it probably somewhere in the middle and that this is a good song, but it's not like this isn't going to be one of the top Billy Joel songs. So I'm just going to say 61. Nope. Well, I mean, you're right. He puts it at 54. You were completely correct. Right in the middle. One of several Beatles tributes he's recorded. Does that minor, major, minor, major step down chord progression that Paul McCartney made his signature, interestingly, uh-huh. with added George Martin Shimmer. Not a song many people think of, but I like it uh, as compared to Glenn Gamboa, who put it at 97. He did not like it. And the fans rank it at 91. But I'm going to tell you that I really, really like it a lot. I'm very happy. I'm happy with this little find. That's what it is. It's a find. I think the reason why the fans have it that low is that it's simply just not known to them. Like you said, like a lot of people listen to the beginning of the nylon curtain. They never really got to the end. This song kind of just falls in between things and you forget it exists. Yep. And so when it was on our schedule, you know, when I see the list of songs we have, I saw surprises and I'm like, what is that? I didn't even know what album it was from. I thought it was a, an unreleased track. And then I heard, I saw it was on the nylon curtain and I heard it. And right from the beginning, I liked it, but I'm afraid I'm going to blow everybody's mind right now. Uh, With a little uh, mashup that once in a while it has to happen. Now, I'm not saying Billy ripped this off because clearly the timeline doesn't add up. He came up with this first. But if anybody is familiar with Pretty in Pink and the uh, band New Order, they will find many similarities as I'm going to play for you right now. Are you ready, Alon? I'm ready. playing them both at the same time and besides and i just did that just 
with you now, I mean, if I really put it together, I could actually put these two together and play them at the same time. You'd never notice the difference. Yeah, definitely some similarity there. It's like that. Well, I don't know that that synthesizer he's using sounds kind of like a harpsichord kind of thing. It's slow. And that's what they use. But when his, when his voice comes in, it sounds like it's part of the uh, new order song. Yeah. Right. Wasn't that amazing? Didn't we? You, you had some other comparisons to this song. I did. Episode. I can't remember what what um, what show it was. I was looking all over for it. I can't remember. <laughs> if anybody in our audience can remember, let us know. And I know you will. I know it's the same thing. But again, it's that that opening chord progression or or instru- instruments. I, as soon as I heard it, I'm like, okay, eighties. And where do I know this from? Is it uh, is it Pretty in Pink or is, it was? There was one that was a new order one that was from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, yeah, that's what but we were I talking about. I can't remember what song it was. And it might have been Scandinavian Skies. I don't No, no, that was Rocky Four, right? <laughs> <laughs> so everything about the 80s, when he's playing an 80s album, uh, I think of 80s movies. And it's very clear that this song is extremely 80s, even though it's got that Beatles-esque feel to it. But that's Billy Joel. The guy who's taken a 60s feel and giving it a modern beat to it. Brilliant. Yeah, brilliant song. And uh, obviously, the the reason that he wrote this song is very interesting also. All right, now look. Or we're doing this again, right? I mean, I really wanted to wash my hands of all of this, but we're doing this again, right? We're doing this. And I think this might be the final one. I think this might be the very last song, at least in his chronology, that he ever wrote. About drum roll, please. <laughs> Elizabeth Weber. Uh, Get your Billy Joel Matrix out because right now we've got an Elizabeth song and also a manager screwed me song. Yeah, at the same time. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So what were you saying? So this song was about when Billy Joel had his big motorcycle accident back in 1982. Or was it 81 or 82? It's 82. In 82, he had this motorcycle accident. April 15th, 1982, a day that will live in infamy. Only for Billy Joel. But it really does because, you know, he broke his. uh, He may never have been able to play the piano again. It was truly a bad day for any Billy Joel fan. Yeah, he breaks his left wrist. He breaks his right thumb. Luckily, he's able to repair himself and play afterwards. But he always said that he never could really do it quite as good as he could before the accident. It's amazing that he can play angry young man or. What's the other one that the of Cold Spring Harbor? Everybody loves you now, especially 40 years later after the accident. It's a miracle. The fact that he could play it, uh, you know, even during the Innocent Man tour, if there was one, I don't know whether there was. It's amazing that he was able to work his fingers again. I mean, it sounded like that was a pretty bad. He sort of something fell out of his socket. And for a musician, a, a pianist, that's like the worst thing that could happen. Yeah. And the story is that he was riding down the road in Huntington, Long Island, of course. Yep. It was uh, 540 p.m. on a Thursday. So let's face it. Billy might have been a little bit drunk. Let's just say possibly <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's five o'clock somewhere. Uh, but some lady, Cornelia Bynum, turned onto the road that he was on. She ran a red light or a stop sign and uh, he smacked right into her car. She wasn't hurt, of course, because he's just in a little motorcycle. And uh, yeah, he went to the hospital, had several months of recovery. Yeah. And as we spoke about in 
whatever song that song was that he wrote when he was on the 39th floor of the building or something. Do you remember that song right here where I live on he's on 59th yeah. Street? He was uh, what was the song we were doing? It's in the S's. Right. That was pretty recent. That was I can't figure out which one. It might be, be She's Got Away. Well, I don't remember what song it was, but we were talking about it. And that's when we started talking about the Elizabeth. I think that's the one we started talking about Elizabeth Weber. And we've mentioned this before that Elizabeth Weber was, <clears throat> you know, the song came after she bought the paperwork while he's in the hospital, possibly even on a deathbed. Oh, here it knows? is. It was, sorry. I'm, it was, she's always a woman. Is, is that what I said? No, you said she's got away. Oh, I, I I thought it was one of the I get those mixed up all the time. So, yeah. So, yeah. And it, he's on his in the hospital. He could barely write. And she's like, hey, sign everything over to me while you're sick. We've already talked about this. And that's how this song came about. This song came from that horrible. And believe me, the words I want to use right now, I'm not, not going to use the family program, uh, even though we do the song, Laura. It, I mean, this horrible. Horrible bitch with, as he says, her crocodile tears. She's a big actress. Brings him a piece of paper. Sign everything over to me now. You're probably not going to make it. And that's where this song comes in the saying of, uh, what is it people can surprise you in the fact that you don't see their true colors until it's time to reveal their true colors? Yeah, it was committed discreetly. It was handled so neatly. And uh, yeah, she came with her attorney and basically found Billy Joel at his weakest and tried to get him to sign some papers. Probably didn't even really explain what she was doing exactly. But she was trying to basically take credit, take all the royalties for his future music, for his past music. She was trying to get everything. And that's when he knew that this marriage was truly over. Yep. Here, one should not really be surprised when people show their true colors and betray you when you are down. Wow. And that is what she did. We know this already. We've spoken about this before. I just didn't know that this particular song came out of that incident. Of course, why wouldn't there be a song that came out of that incident? I'm actually surprised it's not a more angry song. And when you were saying about the comparisons of Laura, it's funny because I see what you're saying, that Laura it makes a lot of sense. That this could be a, a good companion piece. But now that we know that Laura is about his mother, it, it, it doesn't work as well. <laughs> you know, it'd be better if we knew this was about uh, Elizabeth. Yeah, it, but it's kind of like, man, he was really going through it in 1982. Like his Apparently. mom's relationship with him was bad. The wife relationship was terrible. And then, you know, it, actually, the way that this song is organized on the album kind of makes sense. You kind of can see like how their relationship is moving along just in terms of those three songs. Like you start with She's Right on Time which is kind of about returning from a long distance relationship, kind of rekindling things. Then you go right into a room of our own, which is like, okay, look, maybe we need our separate space. So that's not good. It's, it's a little rocky. And then you go right to surprises, which is like, this whole thing is a complete sham. It's over. It's done. The, and then you go to Scandinavia to do heroin. Cause you're so messed up. <laughs> yeah. And, you got to get over this girl. Let's go do some heroin on an airplane. And then what is the last song? Where's the orchestra? Yeah, then he's just stumbling yeah. through the streets high on heroin. What, right. Where's the orchestra? I thought and, there was and music you're just here. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I don't know what's happening. You're right. That second side describes the complete finale of, you know, a a, a fifty song. I love Elizabeth. Uh, you know, way until it's completely. I mean, the worst 
way a relationship could possibly end. And it's so funny. The guy's down and he's out. But, you know, you can't feel that bad. He's a musician. He, even though he's got money troubles, he doesn't have money troubles like normal people. You know, he's still Billy Joel. He can create, but maybe he can't create. I don't know, because he got the motorcycle accident. And then how funny is it that you just your next album is this just happy? <laughs> like I, I met a girl and life is good again. Hey, you're okay. And it's been, and I'm saying the album opens with, hey, you're all right, right? Because it's easy money. Hey. <laughs> yeah, it's a total. It's not even that that's how he's feeling, which he is because he's dating supermodels. So it's going great. But it's almost like an F you to Elizabeth. Like, hey, sh- listen to this. Look how good my life is right now. How are you doing over there? Yeah. So there we go. You know, it's so you're right. This is kind of fascinating figuring this out. The three biggies, the stranger, 52nd Street, Glass Houses. It's the, you know, the crunch Billy time. This is what I want to do. And then then you have the we understand his lifestyle, the nylon curtain. It's devastating. And he's and he's out. And then the uplifting again. It is fascinating when you get into a musician and see their ups and downs through their music and their albums. Of course, that doesn't really happen anymore these days because people just don't make albums the way they do as as complete things you know as as stories as like the way billy does concept albums i mean billy joel does concept albums the the stranger is whatever that is 50 seconds it's jazz album that's how's the rock album not only curtains the depression album and the and the <laughs> beatles and the and then the innocent man is the 50s album i mean it's uh it, and the bridge is remarkable. the bad album exactly <laughs> <laughs> yes it is well, you know, some artists nowadays are doing that. Like Taylor Swift is always like whoever she's dating. She has a breakup. She writes a whole album about that. So she's kind of channeling her her real life. Well, you might be right. I guess I just nobody really buys albums anymore. So you never think of it. You know, it's like Sting just put out a new album like yesterday and I was listening to it. And it's really good. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait to listen. I want to listen to the whole thing in my car. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just don't have the physical album. And so that's why I don't think of it as an album anymore. I think that's what, for me at least, you know, was a thing. The physical album, the album cover. We've talked about this multiple times when we were doing Turnstiles wrap up. I miss that. Yeah, right. It's like right now, like if someone has a new album, I'll save it on my Spotify and I'll listen to it. But I'm not really looking, you know, my, my phone is in my pocket while I'm listening on my headphones. I'm not looking at the back cover and seeing what the names of the songs are. So a lot of times I don't even know the names of the songs. I just know how they go. And maybe I have it on you know, not not in order. Maybe I'm listening to it on a playlist. It's on random. I don't even remember what came where. So it's a whole different feel. Yep. Uh, just uh, for a second, go over some of the lyrics, which are really kind of great. One, well, at least one of the parts: break all the records, burn the cassettes, and obviously he's talking about his own stuff. <laughs> I'd be lying if I told you that I had no regrets. There were so many mistakes, and what a difference it makes. But still, it shouldn't surprise you at all. You know, I said it shouldn't surprise you at all. You know, don't look now, but you've changed. Your best friends wouldn't tell you. Yeah, I like that line. So that's like, the I guess that's the bridge of the song. Maybe it's like it's kind of weird because it's like really early in the song to have that little two line section. It doesn't yeah. rhyme at all, but he sings it in a really kind of crazy. It, it's like a descent into madness. What's going yeah. on with him in that in that line? He's freaking out. Shouldn't surprise you at all. It's great. It's a really good song. It's a very, it's a true hidden gem. I'm going to say I'm putting it up there because I, I really believe this is a hidden gem. I'm very 
pleased that we found it in our journey. Yeah. I'm very excited about listening to it again, even after we uh, finish and, and finding a couple more before we wrap up. Billy Joel, A to Z. In like 40 more songs. <laughs> Alan, I bet she's never played this live. I mean, even the Nylon Curtain Tour. I'm going to say never. I'm going to say zero. <laughs> well, if we were recording this in February of 2014, you would be correct. He would never have played this live. But in March 2014 at MSG, one of his first residency shows, he played this song for the very first time. He had a string quartet on stage with him. So for that musical interlude near the end, the, the strings are going. It sounds great. His voice sounds great. Uh, and he ended up playing it two other times in 2017. And that was it. So it's been played three times total at MSG. So it's kind of right. And you may be wrong. No, but, but I, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess I was kind of, yeah. So he never played it. You know, thank God he played it at MSG because how many times have we said, why doesn't he take out a couple of these songs and give them a try, which clearly he did with this. But I guess it doesn't truly resonate with the audience. So too bad because yeah, I think it's fun. It's just too hidden. But I got to tell you, all three versions, they're all on YouTube and they're great. Like he sounds, his voice is great. The band sounds great. It sounds like a great rendition, like right off the album. It sounds so, they're doing it so well. But I guess the crowd reaction was just not good enough for him. It seems it seems to me that he enjoys taking deep cuts off of the Nylon Curtain. It's a very personal album to him. And he seems to, out of all the other albums that we know where he could get other cuts from, he seems to take a lot from here. Like, you know, we've known he's done a couple of Scandinavian Skies and he's played Laura a couple times. He yeah. does pull from it on occasion. Right. A Room of Our Own. But then things like She's Right on Time that he never plays, even though never, he right? it's his favorite song. So you never know. Christmas. Yeah. But uh, look, he put this was like the album that he put the most effort in in the studio to really have everything musically layered, really intricate. So I think he appreciates the time that he put into this and he wants people to hear it once in a while. Yep. I'm with you. Makes a lot of sense. Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper for me? I got one. After his tax day 1982 motorcycle accident, Billy continued to ride bikes and even opened his own motorcycle shop in Long Island. No, in New Jersey. (laughs) Sorry, I added that in at all. He built a motorcycle for another famous rocker, which in turn hilariously broke down on Veterans Day of 2016 and left the rocker stranded but was ironically saved by veterans. Who's this dude? Is it Bruce Springsteen? It is Bruce Springsteen. (laughs) Isn't that hilarious? He built a motorcycle for him. He gave it to him and then it broke down. On purpose, (laughs) probably. Well, no, actually what happened was I get it broke down. It was a news story because anything that happens with Bruce is a news story because he had to be saved by these veterans, not saved, but somebody came to his rescue and then Billy called him. He goes, Please tell me it wasn't the bike that I gave you. (laughs) It was son of a bitch. Billy's like, this will ruin me. Don't let this get out. (laughs) This will ruin my motorcycle career. (laughs) (laughs) This will ruin me. But that's hilarious that he gave a bike to Bruce and it wasn't a quality bike. (laughs) Bruce could buy the biggest, greatest quality bike because I'm going to get one my friend made for me. 
Well, uh, oh, yeah, when a, you have everything, what makes it special is that it's a Billy Joel bike. Of course, but it's hilarious to be like, yeah, we're going to get one my friend made for me. Oh, he's a big bike guy, like a motorcycle guy. No, he's a musician, but uh, he dabbles. He dabbles. He one time wrote a song called Motorcycle Song. <laughs> and it's a good one. It's it a is. good one. He's, he he travels. Uh, where does he ride? Oh, Jericho Road, I think. Uh, that's <laughs> in the song. I <laughs> <laughs> Alon, do you have a uh, trivia question for me? Yes, I do. Mine is also about motorcycles. My question is, what Southern rock star died in a motorcycle crash in Macon, Georgia in 1971? Well, who's the guy from 38 Special? I'm just kidding. Uh, That's the only Southern rock I know. Um, 1971, Southern rock star. Southern rock star. Is it somebody from the Allman Brothers? Yeah. Well, it's not Greg Allman because we know he was he made it. So, what it must is it one of the Allman brothers? Is it actually an, <laughs> yes. an Allman? Yeah, <laughs> I I don't know any of the other Allman. Okay, so it was Dwayne. Oh, <laughs> Dwayne Allman. Oh, he died. was good. He was good. He was good, and he died in this crash. He was twenty four years old. What's crazy is that a year later, another Allman brothers bandmate, Barry Oakley, also died in a motorcycle crash three blocks away from where Dwayne Allman died in his motorcycle crash i hope they've put up a street light at that intersection at this juncture <laughs> yeah i think they got to put something there or just dem- demolish the whole road something's wrong with the road over here you're right. killing off rock stars <laughs> exactly it's like wait you still have the, the other guy died like wait you still didn't put up a street light like a like a, yeah. a you We're still getting just around have a stop to it. sign <laughs> He probably died. He probably like ran over one of like the uh, flower bouquets that fans had left there on the road for Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's like little little like votive candles, and he's like, "Ah!" <laughs> I have a backup question. Yeah, Lauren Hutton. You know Lauren Hutton. I do. Lauren Hutton was in a serious motorcycle accident in the year 2000, but she survived because what diehard villain gave her a stronger helmet earlier that day? It's obviously Alan Rickman. No. Oh, the other one, Alexander, Ale- the the blonde haired Swedish guy or something. Well, okay, this is the guy who was in Die Hard Three, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Oh, come on, man! Oh, it's uh, Jeremy Irons. Yeah, Jeremy Irons. <laughs> <laughs> kind of hell, the fact that I even knew that. Here's my Jeremy Irons imitation. As a father, I'd like to put the children down now. How's that? That was okay. It's 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 a creepy father in a sitcom. I'm going to put the fa- I'm going to put the children down now. Wait, I would like my own individual order of ginger prawns. That was obscure, but I like it. Thank you. It's from uh, Reversal of Fortune. Oh, okay. So that's like a line in the movie that he. You in. must understand that Sonny and I were deeply in love. Now, do Jeremy Irons bringing his own clams to a restaurant? <laughs> I would like these fried. I would like them unopened so I can open them myself. <laughs> I'm doing Jeremy Irons as Klaus von Bülow in Reversal of Fortune. <laughs> I like it. Layers. 
just like this song. That's a, uh, I told him we should get the best Jewish lawyer they have. (laughs) Have you ever seen the movie? No. Oh my God. It's so good. Except for the Glenn Coast close scenes. You cut those out. It's so entertaining. Ron Silver's amazing in it as Alan Dershowitz and Jeremy Irons is what he won. He won the Oscar for it. He was, he's amazing. So if you cut out the, what? What's it based on? Um, the Klaus von Bülow trials, the the insulin, how he killed his wife. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's really good. Really, really good. I've seen it like multiple times, except for the Glenn Close stuff where like she's like, this is how I died. And it's like, I mean, Glenn Close is usually pretty good, but boy, is it dull when she's around. Um, but otherwise, when he's in it and Ron Silver's in it, what's that other girl from The Sopranos in it too? Uh, one who got screwed by uh, literally L- Lorraine Bracco, Edie Falco. No, no, the one by Harvey Weinstein, uh, Angela and Anna, Annabella Sciorra. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's so good, everyone. I'm telling you, Reverse of Fortune, outstanding movie. You'll see what I mean about the other stuff, but it's really entertaining. And at the end, it's it's the great ending, which was you know real, and you still never know whether the guys did it or not. You know, it's 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 great. Let's uh, move on because I would like to see what Weird Alon has for us today. Now, this is a good song for a parody, I think. But again, sometimes I forget how the melodies go when we're talking all this time. So until I saw the lyrics, but it shouldn't surprise you at all. But I still don't know how it goes from the beginning. You're so good at remembering the melody. Yeah, this one will be a little tough, but uh, my parody today, it's in a surprises. It's called Cash and Prizes, and it's about the prices right. Actual retail price. You know what? Out of whatever we've done, 100 and 100,000 podcast, that, that sounds like the most perfect one for this episode. All right. I'm all in on this one. But, but, but this is going to be <laughs> difficult for me because you're doing a Price is Right thing. So how can I play the Price is Right loser theme? <laughs> if you're doing a Price is Right one, I mean, you, you oh, have my, hit it on the nose. It nice. might be worthy of it. You must get excited, act like a clown, and hope that Rod Roddy says, come on down. Then you will try to guess closer without going over. And Bob Barker will call you on stage for Plinko. Showcase showdown is your chance to spin a giant wheel. And if you spin closest, nearest a buck, you'll go into the showcase and with any luck, You'll win a trip to Belize, a mattress, and two RVs. And then Bob Barker will tell you to spay your pets. That's right, Bob Barker will tell you to neuter your pets. (laughs) Wow. Hey, that was a great parody. That that lyrically, that was a really good parody. And 
Well, all I was thinking is like, I can't wait to hear Paul Lauren do a version of this. It'll we be so much better. <laughs> we got to remember that one. Surprises are your best parody. And why did you choose to use Bob Barker instead of Drew Carey? I live in the past, man. You went old school. You went where the song was put out. I didn't just go with Bob Barker. I went with Rod Roddy as the announcer. Yeah, that's what I couldn't. That I didn't understand that one. He's the he's the announcer who says, "Come on down." Yeah, no, no, but I thought that was Johnny Olson. No, Rod Roddy. Are you sure? Maybe you, maybe he took over for Johnny Olson at some. Oh, point. so you're saying you use the announcer now? No, Rod Roddy was the, Bob Barker's announcer. I thought that was always Johnny Olson. Here, Roddy succeeded the original announcer Olson. So this is I didn't know Olson in 1986 until his death in 2003. Until whose death, Roddy Roddy? Until Rod Roddy's death in 2003. Oh, I only remember. I mean, I thought you were going old school. So, but you did go fully 80s. Yeah, I went when the song came out. You went Bob Barker and Rod Rod Roddy, whatever his name is. Well, when the song came out in '82, it would have been Bob Barker and Johnny Olson. But I went with when I used to stay home from school and watch The Price Is Right when I was sick. That's like 1992, and that was Rod Roddy. Yeah, but I thought you were going. I mean, you're going old school. You might as well go all old school. You go when the song came out in '82. Then you mixed up the genres. (laughs) The whole thing's (laughs) ruined. Ah, well, I take hey, it all back. I just found this out. Rod Roddy was also the voice of Mike the Microphone on Disney's House of Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was good. He announced the sitcom Soap from 77 to 81. Oh, we've talked about that on this show because I've said, confused? You won't be on another, uh, you know, on this week's episode of Soap. That's the guy, huh? Yeah, we've but he said were- this on the show before. I think I think I've even played the clip. Confused? You won't be. Confused? You won't be after this episode of Soap. Well, folks, that was surprises. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Are you surprised Dave made this a hidden gem? Are you surprised by the New Order similarities? Are you surprised that Elizabeth Weber tried to screw Billy Joel? Nobody's surprised about that. And are you surprised Billy Joel gave Bruce Springsteen a faulty motorcycle? I'm not surprised at all about that. They've been rivals since 1972. It's about time someone took this boss and brought him down a peg. Really, Billy Joel wants to be the boss. Well, until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. It was always with you.